You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Okay, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. This is our third episode in the podcast series of Embrace Conversations where we take someone who's been Muslim for some time, uh, mashallah, who's come to Islam later on, reverted, converted, mashallah, embraced Islam, and we let them explain the journey that they've taken after the Shahada. MashaAllah, this week we are joined by a person of knowledge, alhamdulillah, who's uh, devoted their time after to learning and MashaAllah teaching as well. Um, Brother Abdulazim will join us uh, this week, who MashaAllah, um, fairly, I think, early on uh, after became Muslim, MashaAllah, or, um, you know, certainly earlier than many, began uh, organising. Uh, a circle, mashallah, to support new Muslims in Glasgow called New to Islam Glasgow. Alhamdulillah, he's subsequently moved down south and um, worked with many um, organisations, including, if I'm not mistaken, Daryl Jalani at the moment, where, mashallah, brother is doing lessons uh, for Ramadan. Mashallah, I want to say a massive assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to brother Abdulazim. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, mashallah. I'm very happy, very happy to be joined by yourself. I think that, uh, mashallah, this is such a, 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 a really important week for us, mashallah, in the podcast. Because, of course, mashallah, there's a purpose to the podcast, mashallah. There are many purposes. And inshallah, we hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts all the, the benefits that, that, that can come from it. Uh, but one of the main purposes we want to share voices and document stories is because we want to uh, increase awareness of what it's like to be Muslim, um, mashallah, and of course, um, uh, let's say the benefits of being Muslim, mashallah, um, and the benefits that reverts, converts can bring to the ummah as well as, um, mashallah, look at this question of, you know, how can we make the support for new Muslims even better, inshallah. And mashallah, to have yourself on with such a broad perspective is going to be, um, you know, really um, yeah, beneficial, inshallah. Well, I'm going to start off the podcast, first of all, as we do, and I'm always, you know, try cut it down in time, as it were, but I'm really interested in it. I've never really heard, I've heard bits and pieces about how you've come to Islam before, brother, but could you give us a, a flavour of how it was that you became Muslim, perhaps what it, your life was like before you were Muslim, and then your journey to Islam? Um, well, I'd been brought up as a Catholic um, in a fairly orthodox Catholic family. So my uh, my uncle is a priest. He's a missionary priest, actually, in the, uh, in the Philippine Islands. Um, and I was brought up to be quite religious as a child. I was an altar boy. Uh, I was always at oh. church and doing various things. And I'm, actually, as a, as a child, I'd intended to be a priest uh, for a while. Um, and then when I became 13, 14, 15, I, I got too interested in, in things like girls and, and, and other things and and turned away from religion at that point. Um, so for one. a few years, I was kind of like anybody else. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's the usual story. So um, for a few years, I wasn't religious at all. I, you know, I was into motorbikes and into you know metal music and concerts and things like that. And then um, and then I met a I met a lady at that point, and we married. We settled down. Um, and the lady that I married was from a Muslim background, but it was never really. It was never really a subject of discussion. It didn't really matter at that point. Mm. And then what happened was after my son was born, uh, just after my son was born, I got I got curious into uh, into my, my wife's background um, from a son's perspective more than anything else because I felt as though I'd 
I didn't know anything about that and I should do because, you know, we, we were raising children. And basically, uh, my wife really didn't have much knowledge in Islam either, wasn't really able to, uh, wasn't really able to speak to me either. Um, but her brother was quite a devout uh, brother, Marshall, and he gave me a load of books to read. Um, and I was quite fascinated by history. I'd always been interested by Lenin and Mao and Hitler and these great demagogues, you know, people who could turn around the whole country. I could never figure that out, how one man could get a country to follow him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was interested to read about the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. And um, the first book I read was called Muhammad Wasallam: Brief Aspects of His Biography by a man called Zia ad-Din Sardar. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not even a very good book, you know, but I, I read it and when I finished it, I sat for a second and I thought, I have to know more. And I read it again. And then I moved on to the life of the last prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, by, uh, uh, by uh, Yusuf Islam, uh, by Cat Stevens. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on and the pile of books that I'd been given was about this high. I devoured them. And, uh, and at that point, I realized that something had happened. I'd become obsessed with this man, Muhammad, and I found myself wanting to be like him. And, and that really brought me on my path to Islam after that. I took shahada very soon after that because I realized something had changed. And I, I can be quite decisive uh, at times. And I thought, well, something's changed. This is what it is. Uh, going away in Hamdallah, that was 24 years ago nearly. MashaAllah. Uh, all of that happened. So I'm still here. It's not just a phase. Yeah, no, alhamdulillah, mashallah, so definitely. After, after mm-hmm. are you going? Carry on. No, 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 I mean, I think it's, um, subhanAllah, I think it's um, uh, amazing as well, sometimes just inspirational, hearing about, I remember when I first became Muslim, hearing about people who are Muslim and mashallah, embrace Islam, you know, decades later, mashallah, and it's 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 a wonderful thing to hear. Now, something that, you know, I was quite eager when you sent me some notes uh, to discuss was that, um, you know, mashallah, you'd had this obsessive, uh, mashallah, understandably, um, passion for learning about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and then, mashallah, you, you were Muslim, and the, the way you described it, I can't remember the exact word was, essentially, you're saying devout and so on, but you were really went in hard, uh, mm. it, to Islam, mashallah, and that had quite a profound impact on you. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so I, when I first became Muslim, I, I didn't know that many Muslims, um, and I did most of my learning from books. I, the community at that time wasn't really used to converts or new Muslims, and there, there wasn't much help out there, but Alhamdulillah, I made a couple of friends who'd travelled the path before me. Uh, one particular brother, Brother Abdul Mateen Kathkar, uh, I owe him a lot. Uh, when I first met him, uh, he gave me a lot of motivation, gave me a lot of inspiration to carry on. Um, a lot of the people who I did know were they were quite devout, and they were very, you know, a lot of them were in Tablighi Jamaat or some of these groups uh, where they were very active. And I felt, I felt I didn't match up to that. Um, I remember having this feeling: I'm, I'm a crap Muslim. Uh, I had this feeling all the time, so I really went in heavy into into everything. I you know, started praying straight away. I learned everything I could, and what happened was actually actually damaged me because after about a year it was too much um, and what happened was I actually spun back out so I didn't I didn't stop being Muslim but I spun out of my practice I stopped praying I stopped watching what I ate what I ate because it was too much it just overwhelmed me um, and a whole lot of things happened at one point uh, moved house etc and, and everything sort of came together at one point and my practice just went and for about two years I kind of uh, kind of wandered, I would say, spiritually. So I knew I was Muslim, but it's as if I was hiding from God. 
you know, it's as if I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that tomorrow. Um, and after after about two years of not practicing, I, I sat and I thought one day, and I thought, you know, I, I need to, I need to pull myself up by the neck here. You know, I thought, what what if I die like this? Mashallah, you know, I, I, mean, I, I know think, better. Um, sorry, so we delay there, but Mashallah, you know, I, I think as well. It must be quite difficult. We talk sometimes about how, mashallah, when people first become Muslim, they learn about Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, mashallah, and the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them. And you know, these are the the, the finest examples, mashallah, that, that that we can have. The prophets, uh, peace be upon them all. Um, and then we meet human beings who are, you know, mashallah, have the potential. Mm. We struggle. We're broken. You know, and we we, we vary. Allah subhanahu wa taala is solid. And mashallah, of course, when you're meeting people like Tablighi Jamaat and stuff like that, even those people are at a high point you know they've decided they've got time aside maybe uh you know mashallah after experiences in their life and so on and subhanallah so you know maintaining that i mean i i don't see uh, many people maintaining that and i think it's quite understandable to have this ebb and flow so um you were kind of kind of wandering about um sort of knowing you had to get back into it uh mashallah yep. um was there anything particularly that um you know you remember about coming back to the practice yeah, the prayer. So the thing is, the prayer is such a fundamental part of a Muslim's life that when the prayer is established, you become very strong. Uh, when the prayer goes, it's very easy for you to lose everything. Um, and that was, I remember that being the deciding point when I spun out. And that's how I, how I refer to it. It's as if I was spinning and I spun out of, of uh, my practice. And it was when I abandoned my prayer, everything else went. Everything went when, when I abandoned my prayer. Yeah. And when I decided to re-embrace my practice, um, bearing in mind I'd never lost my belief i just you know sort of lost the habit and at that point i thought i need to start praying again and i forced myself to do it you know even though i was lazy you know i didn't want to do it you know your nuffs pulls you back and when i re-embraced my prayer everything started to change for me uh, alhamdulillah there really was a defining point for me mashallah mashallah um and uh, what was going to say um is there anything you would say perhaps you know people that are listening just now um that are in a similar situation that you could uh, help them with yeah definitely so that the prayer is such a big aspect of the muslim's life um that's that's one thing really that I would advise anybody to establish even even if you don't pray on time every time just try your best to at least make some sort of regular prayer um, the prayer itself brings such rahmah to you and it brings such sakina to your life. Um, it makes a difference to you and to those around you. That that really is a good place to start is actually with your prayer, even if you end up just praying the further and nothing else. Um, at that point, I worked 12-hour shifts and I used to come home and I used to, I used to pray four prayers, uh, three of them qada and then pray isha uh, in the evening. And I would do that even though I was falling asleep in the masala mm-hmm. um, just, to, just to try and actually keep my prayers up. And that changed everything, alhamdulillah. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah, um, may Allah reward you. I mean, yeah, it's it's not difficult. And sometimes, you know, it's quite difficult um, talking about these atypical um, examples. Um, but of course, people like ourselves coming to the religion later, you know, do have, you know, atypical, um, you know, entries and, and so on. And at times, everyone's lives can be quite strange. And MashaAllah, you know, the, the strength of the, the religion is in its, um, MashaAllah, what would you say? Um, pragmatism, you know, and it's 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 essentially it's for everybody, mashallah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't put anything bigger on us 
than we could bear, mashallah. So there's often we speak to the people of knowledge, mashallah. These things, you know, well, I'm not particularly saying, you know, that prayer method or whatever, but mashallah, there's so many things that we could be um, doing uh, apart, you know, that uh, can support us to get to that, mashallah, higher stage. Well, you see as well that part of uh, perhaps this, uh, you know, journey back, um, but certainly um, a, t- a transformative, is the word used, experience in Islam was when you went on Hajj in 2004. Um, I'd love to hear about it, mashallah. I've been on Umrah myself, but, um, you know, mashallah, what was it like in uh, Hajj? What was it like in 2004? Was there uh, perhaps any differences? <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, Hajj was something that came along and I'd been offered the chance to go on Hajj uh, as part of a uh, somebody's charity and I couldn't go. Uh, of work it was very short notice and I thought I want again and I thought I'm going to be ready so I actually need all the arrangements in case it did and the last man for a blessing again uh, I was able to go and, I, and Hajj was transformative and um, it took me out of Scotland and took me to this place where there was quite a lot of culture shock for me uh, having got there because I was expecting camels you know and I was expecting sand and and things like that and instead I found what looked like Las Vegas to me you know around the around the Kaaba with neon lights and, and things like that um, so it was very transformative in terms of understanding the diversity and the modernity of Islam, um, meeting so many people from different backgrounds, um, meeting people who were at different stages to myself uh, and just randomly speaking to people, meeting people whose language you couldn't speak, but you got them, you know, and they got you, you know, just by yeah. because you were there for the same reason, there was a connection. Um, I mean, one particular story I had, I, I went to the Kaaba. Uh, to actually just sit and look at the Kaaba before uh, the Isha prayer. Um, and I went and sat down uh, on the ground next to this little old man, and I describe him as looking like Gandhi. You know, this little old man, he was like wee skinny old man wearing an ihram. And when I sat down beside him, he was really happy to see me. And he, and he took my hand and he kissed my hand, and then, then he sat and he held my hand. And I tried to speak to him. We didn't speak either, each other's language, but it didn't matter. And uh, the two of us sat there, and then, of course, the harem got very crowded. Uh, when the time for the prayer was coming and the old man and I stood up because our, our backsides were sore from sitting on the ground and we were both standing just gazing at the Kaaba and uh, this Arab brother came along and uh, and he starts tapping me and he's going Tariq, Tariq, Tariq you know, to, to make way for him and I thought oh, he, wants, he wants to get past so I moved and he stepped forward into my spot and sat down and I looked and I thought he's just pinched my spot you know and this old man went mental <laughs> he starts shouting at him, you know, and pointing at me, and I'm saying it's okay, it's fine. And there was nowhere else around. I mean, we were like this with people, and yeah. I thought, where am I going to pray? And I thought I'm going to have to move. And I thought, I thought at that point, I thought, Ya Allah, and I actually just said, Ya Allah, help me. Yeah. I need somewhere to pray. And at that point, there was all of this commotion. And what happened was there was a janaza coming, and they were carrying the the body. And, and as they do, you've seen this, David, if you've been there, like janaza, 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 three, and they just push people out of the way. Yeah. And uh, this Arab brother who had stood my, my, stood in my place, he, he stood up to see what was going on. And the Janaza pushed him right out of the way. And I, I stepped back into my place. Oh. And then when I sat down, uh, this this brother was, uh, you know, he's like, yay, Allah Akbar, Allah, this old uncle. Oh. You know, he's like, Allah Akbar, and he's kissing my hand, you know. And the two of us are sitting there, and, and I thought, alhamdulillah, time. I'd had a, a case where I'd met somebody who I couldn't speak to and we totally got each other. I was with that man for hours. 
Mashallah. <laughs> and uh, that, that had a profound effect on me. When I came back, I'd met so many people, I thought, I need to learn a bit of Arabic, I need to understand my deen more, I need to know what happens in these situations. And, and I started to study and read a lot more when I got back. I had a massive change in the andals around me as well. Yeah. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah, I mean, it's um, it's such a, a deep experience. I mean, I think as well, um, you know, in society where, you know, everything's um, bought and sold, you know, um, that when you go on these um, experiences, MashaAllah, to, to Hajj, I mean, I, I was really worried that it would, uh, well, I'd went on Umrah, Alhamdulillah, and I'd really worried that it'd have everything sucked out of it. But MashaAllah, you know, Alhamdulillah, like so profound, these stories that we hear about, um, you know, kind of like insights into humanity, uh, you know, inshallah, may Allah, you know, forgive the, the, the brother as well for sitting there. But MashaAllah, you get these stories that just, MashaAllah, have such deep resonance that, that stick with you, MashaAllah, and, and teach, and inshallah, continue to teach, you know, I'm sure, reflecting on why this... Yep guy was pushing you out the way subhanallah you know like it, it, it's almost um an entry into thinking about humanity mashallah why you know uh we always have why do people behave in such ways that are seem harmful and you know surely them can't have been thinking you know subhanallah mashallah um I, I in a way when i went i kind of felt like <laughs> alhamdulillah i'm standing at muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam's grave you know mashallah like why why did no one tell me about this before yeah. why did no one tell me subhanallah like like you need to go you need to go mashallah like you cannot emphasize it enough mashallah uh may allah uh, accept everyone subhanallah so alhamdulillah mashallah so it, it had such a, a transformative um effect on you mashallah 2004 mm. it was two years before i became muslim and mashallah mm. <clears throat> i think it was around 2006 a vague i mean i definitely feel i remember being there at the start of uh, mashallah your, your project to support new muslims um and you started the organization you know it's a well-known mashallah and and well remembered yep. in glasgow which was new to islam so could you tell us about about that what led to it and so on Yeah, so when I came back from Hajj, um, it had quite an effect on my life in this country as well. So I, I just started a new job in a new company and, and I actually ended up organising the Muslims that worked there. Uh, so we used to meet together to pray. We, get, we were given a place to pray and we were given a place to break a fast. And we used to, during Ramadan, there'd be a big conga, almost the Muslims going through the office, going to going to break their fast. And um, and I became a lot more sort of uh, active in terms of uh, meeting people and just kind of socialising a bit more with Muslims. And um, there was one night, a brother, Michael Gleason, who I know you know very well, uh, yeah. and I were sitting uh, in we were sitting in iCafe one night, actually, and uh, we were talking to each other, and we spoke about the difficult times when you become Muslim and you don't know things and how you struggle and mistakes that you make. And the two of us literally said to each other, you know, nobody should have to do that again. You know, we said, you know, we, we've done it. Nobody else should have to do it because we've made the mistakes for other people. Yeah. And we should actually do something where we can help people and at that point the idea for new to islam popped up and on the spot we made a yahoo group and a website actually literally in the cafe because i had my laptop mm -hmm. um, and new to islam started that evening um over a over a latte uh, in i cafe so we we had an idea to make a support group new muslims for new muslims but quite quickly i realized that it could just be for converts because a lot of the muslims that were born here are actually in a, as big a mess as many of the converts are, if not bigger, because they've got so many identity crises. Mm. And so we decided to, instead of new Muslims Glasgow, we decided to be new to Islam Glasgow so that everybody could come. And then the first the first week we had a meeting, we didn't really know what we were doing. Two or three people showed up. Uh, we were meeting fortnightly. The second meeting we had, about eight or nine people showed up. 
sure. the meeting after that, about 20 people showed up. Mm-hmm. And it just went boom from there. And we realized very quickly, we have to start meeting weekly. We have to move to a bigger premises. So we started moving to, to SAMHSA. Um, and it really took off. I was actually surprised by how it exploded. Mm-hmm. It seems to make sure the things to be funneled through. My part, it wasn't anything special about me or brother Michael or anybody else involved. It was, I was using that as a means to bring people to the dean. And, uh, and it became so successful. We, we ended up, you, you know yourself, though, we ended up in Edinburgh, we ended up in Inverness, we ended up in Aberdeen, we ended up in mm-hmm. D, we ended up in various places where we, we had to act. Um, and for me, it became like a second full-time job mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And, um, and you, you know how that gets, though, because you, you took that mantle from me um, after my time. So it, it sort of consumed Briefly, life, very, but... very, very briefly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, um, oh. it's mashallah, um it's it's so so big upon a lot. I feel like um you know that there is such a um you know like w- when you start these things, mashallah. I think of the hadith uh, about like the the ummah is like a body, subhanallah, and what you know one one parts of it's sick. We're all sick, and, and I feel like you know there's so much you know disparate, and I also think of the hadith where we're like foam on the ocean. Uh, you know, there'll come a day when, inshallah, mm. Muslims are like foam in the ocean. And subhanallah, that's right. You know, mashallah, Muslims are all over the world. It's normal. It'd be strange to go somewhere in the world and not see Muslims. Uh, alhamdulillah. Um, but mashallah, you know, it's also so disparate. It pops up, disappears, pops up, disappears, and so on. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, um, you know, a lot of things, as always, but also about this idea of, like, expectations. You know, I found when I was learning about the Sahaba, may Allah, please with them, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when we ended up coming along to, you know, new to Islam, that my expectations were sky high as to what um, it could offer me. And as you say, it is a full-time job, but of course you were doing another full-time job, um, you know, um, the, uh, you know, let's say there was a lot of um you know it's, it takes a lot of time you can never sort of like almost uh, meet the needs that are there uh all of them you know the emotional spiritual financial medical you know small somebody's um what was it like to um to to run such an organization when there's such a huge number of people becoming muslim with often quite a lot of needs so a last minute gives you topic um, that's the that's the only thing I can say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you barakah in your time and it gives you tawfiq. Um and I mean I'm I'm not a counselor at all. I I mean at that point I wasn't a teacher. Um and, and I, I'd studied myself enough to, to kind of know myself quite well, but I didn't feel placed to teach people. But then when I started you know having to do it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me with being around people who could oh. teach me. Um Allah Allah enables you when you have things like that to do. When he wants you to do something, it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is, he will enable you. Um, and then you know, you, you'll perform. So with me, one of the important things was that some of the people we knew, we knew people who were doctors, we knew people who were skilled you know, in various things. And so when people came with problems, quite often we could try and get them to speak to somebody who could help them. We could signpost them into something else. Um, Youth Islam was quite good as a, as a common point because we had no sectarian background at all. We had no uh, allegiance to any masjid. Uh, we were staunchly independent. Um, so the central masjid would send people to us, Al-Fakam would send people to us, Khizra would send people to us, you know, Tantalan Road would send people to us because they knew that they weren't going to be, uh, there was going to be no controversy uh, about what we're teaching because we were teaching the mainstream Islam. And then through these people, we had help that we could refer people on to, put people in touch in the locality. And um, we had a quite a good network, uh, Alhamdulillah people. Um, so there were, there were times when we 
had new Muslims uh, who had nothing. There's one particular sister, you may remember this sister that was in, that she had a fire um, and she'd lost everything. She moved into a new flat. And I sent out one message to get printed all around Glasgow. And within a few hours, the sister had people at her door giving her money, giving her a bed, giving her a microwave, giving her you know, absolutely everything that she needed to get out of her whole flat within a week. Alhamdulillah, for the sake of one message, because of the support that the community had for that group um, and for the new Muslims. So it was something very special at the time, mashallah. I actually, actually miss it. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. I mean, it was absolutely uh, beautiful um, there. Um, but, uh, you know, through it, and, you know, kind of myself, um, I was, uh, you know, you kind of passed on a kind of, uh, what do you say, leadership to myself. And that lasted, uh, you know, to be mm. honest, about maybe about a month or two um and then it was a wish for uh you know other people to to um you know run it which to be honest to be, to, just to be totally honest mashallah people who mashallah have so much love for but we're we're not <laughs> i feel like it kind of changed because it was then run by people who didn't come to islam themselves uh you know weren't you know new muslims and mm-hmm. well certainly my vision of, of of the organization um you know you know i felt like you know we need leadership, uh, mashallah. I look around at Sister Lindsay Taylor, for example, in Muslim Council of Scotland, mashallah. It's, it's fantastic that, uh, alhamdulillah, that you know that that uh, that's been developed in new Muslims, mashallah, because mm. there's so many capacities that uh, people bring. But nonetheless, it, it, after a while, it just you know, let's just say there wasn't a, a, an overriding incident, but just after time, it um, kind of uh, started to peter out. And this is one thing that 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 I would say is you know. Myself, when I, in fact, first became Muslim, I was, uh, or soon after, I was working in a support organisation. It was supporting adults with learning disabilities. Um, yep. You know, there's a difference, of course, with new Muslims, mashallah, although some will have learning disabilities. But mashallah, the, the, that kind of like organisation uh, is also used to support people with employability, uh, you know, people in hard times, you know, etc., etc., etc. You know, I would always kind of like, um, I always uh, bang the drum for a professional, you know, funded organisation with funded staff members, mashallah. Um, but subhanAllah, I think there's still, mashallah, a, a lot of space for um, the darses the, the as well, the circles, the, the heart of it, mashallah, learning about uh, the deen. For yourself, um, how do you feel that new Muslim support is uh, in, in Glasgow um, as far as you're aware? Today. Uh, I'm a bit out of touch with Glasgow these days, to be honest. Um, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm an expat now, uh, and I'm living down in uh, that peninsula to the south of Scotland, mm-hmm. um, the land of Mordor, as I still call it. Sometimes, <laughs> um, there's there's Baraka here as well, but um, in in Glasgow, I it's hard to say. I mean, I think in general, this is a country that are, that are working to help new Muslims. Mashallah, there's there's a lot of people trying to do things, and the community is actually a lot more used used to new Muslims now than they used to be. Uh, when I first became when I first became Muslim, I was completely the the only I'll be honest with you, the only white face in the masjid, something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's changed a lot. And actually, believe it or not, Glasgow is actually a lot more progressive in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I found when I came down here was that a inter interracial marriages weren't that unusual in Glasgow when I left. It, it, it wasn't common, but it wasn't unusual. And um, but down here, actually, believe it or not, I, I found that a lot of the a lot of the Asian communities being so traditional um, that, that it was unheard of. You know, it really was a big thing, and that surprised me because I always assumed that Glasgow would have been a little bit behind somewhere 
more populous in terms of Muslim community. Yeah, it's a, um, but that wasn't the case. Uh, Glasgow, like, mashallah, yeah, there's there's so much effort there. Uh, there's so many things that that do happen there. You've got the likes of Sheikh Amr, uh, Sheikh Amr Jamil, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, Sheikh Abdul Aziz, you know, all of these various uh, heavyweight ulama, mashallah, based in Glasgow, yeah. um, that are that are just there to help people. Um, so yeah, Alhamdulillah. Well, um, what I was going to say, we're, we're coming up to end because your Maghrib time is earlier than ourselves up mm. here, uh, you know, so close to the north. Uh, but um, I suppose building on from that, really quickly, there are two questions we always ask at the end of our, our podcast. Um, the first one is, what would yep. you like to see today for Muslims, people who become Muslim today, what would you like to see for them? Um, I'd like to see an organised effort, however... One of the things that I find with a lot of the efforts that are going on just now is they focus very much on on what they say is having our own space as converts, and and that's important to an extent. So I think it's important for uh, new Muslims or beginners, as I prefer to call them these days, because as I said, a lot of the born Muslims are in the same mess that we are mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their being. In fact, sometimes even more so. Um, so I think there has to be. Space where people can meet and feel comfortable, and sometimes that isn't the must. Mm-hmm. With some of these groups, is they actually exclude themselves from the community, and that's dangerous yeah. because the community will never get used to people who don't fit the template unless we actually involve ourselves in the community. They have to get used to us, and we have to get used to them. Um, sure. So when the Muslim community upsets you, as it will do, and it will, uh, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get fed up with them sometimes. Don't mm-hmm. withdraw because it'll never change if you withdraw. Um, and that's that's one thing I'd like to see is a comprehensive and integrated Muslim support network for everybody, not just for converts. Mashallah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's it's so so mashallah important to have places for new Muslims to be with the Ummah. Who mashallah, you know, as much as there's problems, Alhamdulillah, like you know, um, it's fantastic as well. Mashallah, the, the work of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam has not been in vain. Mashallah. Um, the the last the thing that I'll ask you just just briefly as well. Yeah, it's so difficult. So many things you could advise. I'm sure. But what's one piece of advice? If you could only give one piece of advice to someone who became Muslim right now, what would it be? Be gentle with yourself. Um, your journey is individual and you're going to meet uh, people who try to help you very, very hard. So they, they try their best to help you, but it's not always the best thing for you. Um, your journey is your own and find your own journey. Sure. Find somebody who will give you advice and who knows you well. Um, so to give you a very quick example, I saw I saw a few years ago a, a new Muslim sister from the UK asking a sheikh on a very well-known website based in Saudi Arabia for advice about her daughter. Her would have got the sister arrested in this country for Saudi advice, which was basically to lock your children in the house and not let them out, okay. you know, to, to stop them doing dodgy things. But in this country, that's called false imprisonment, and you go to jail for that. Yeah. So... Um, Find yourself somebody who is based in this country, who understands you and can give you the right advice for you because actually the right advice changes from place to place and context to context. So that really is the best advice I can give you is don't shut yourself away. Don't isolate yourself from the community. Find company of people who are, who understand you uh, and understand your perspective and who are gentle with you um, and be gentle with yourself. Be patient. The Muslim community is going to upset you uh, at certain times, but it's okay because they upset each other as well. 
Subhanallah, mashallah. This is this is one thing about the expectations. We're we're human, mashallah, trying to follow the the this most beautiful deen. Well, mashallah, I don't want to delay any further. Alhamdulillah, you, you know that there's perhaps even time for breaking your fast now. I'm not so sure, but I just want to say, Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for for joining us, mashallah. I'm sure we could talk for much longer, but inshallah, um, you know we're gonna we're gonna continue uh, with the podcast next week. Um, we've not gonna. Uh, 100% confirmed guest, but inshallah, please do join us. And if you're listening in Ramadan, um, then that's going to be on Saturday the 8th of May, inshallah. And uh, it'd be great to have you along. We've got a few people with us here tonight, alhamdulillah. Um, well, other than that, just uh, pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts uh, all your efforts this Ramadan, inshallah. And that, inshallah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can help uh, our ummah be there Amen. and supportive for us, inshallah, united, uh, whoever we may be. I mean, okay, yeah. uh, I'm going to say, Assalamu alaikum. Okay. Welcome, Salam. Welcome, Salam, everybody. Thank you.